Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of The School for Dumb Women. I'm your host woman, Hannah Varrell, and in episode 59, I went along to Studio Voltaire in Clapham in London to learn all about Oscar Wilde from the curator of the Oscar Wilde Temple, a new show that celebrates the writer's legacy within the LGBT community. Here's my full conversation with curator Alison Gingeris. So I'm at the Oscar Wilde Temple with Alison Gingeris, who's the curator of this exhibition. Hi, Alison. Hello. Um, I think we should kind of describe what this space is like and what's happening in it. So to me, it kind of looks like a church or something, right? Well, yes, it's a temple to Oscar Wilde. And as the press release would tell you, it's a secular temple, but it's very much based on in part because we're all traumatized Irish Catholics who were involved in the project, the artists McDermott and McGuff and myself. Um, It's based a little bit on the structure of the Catholic Church in that there's a cycle of paintings that recall the Stations of the Cross and there's an altar and it's, you know, very ornately decorated. But the reason why it is so ornately decorated in the aesthetic movement period, which was from the late 19th century, was that it connects to Oscar Wilde. And Oscar Wilde was a huge uh, proponent of the aesthetic movement. And the artists, McDermott and McGuff, have always um, created these time machines. So the fact that you walk in off the street in the 21st century, the idea is that you walk in and you might think you're in 1885, yeah, it's incredible. So it kind of there's like, you know, uh, rows of chairs, a bit like a church. There's some candles at the back and an altar at the front with a statue of Oscar Wilde surrounded by these amazing flowers. Um, yes, there's different sections. So this project started in New York in a very humble way because we didn't do it with an institution. We basically, the artists and I, um, lobbied the LGBTQ Center in New York to create this uh, space, not just as an art project, but as a service project to the LGBT community, but also to the whole queer community of downtown New York. But we always had this idea that we wanted to sort of take it on the road. And when Studio Voltaire, uh, who I had written something for uh, in the past, their director, Joe Scotland, um, said, I want to bring this to London. It was perfect. It was a match made in heaven because uh, the existing space that we're in was a Victorian chapel, which had been turned into a contemporary art space. And what you won't believe is 
five weeks ago, it had a concrete floor, it had white walls, it, you know, it, they hung you know, contemporary paintings here. So a lot of people, when they walk in and have never been here before, they don't realize, they just assume that it, found, we found it like this. And that yeah. was the whole idea. But anyway, the, the church, the church, the temple is organized in sections. So there's a section, as I mentioned, with the, the stations to Reading Jail that tells the story of Oscar Wilde's downfall. There's the, the altar, but more an altar, not in the Catholic tradition, but in, more in a Protestant tradition with just a soapbox. There's no pulpit. So anyone can really stand up and preach. And we have a triptych to Oscar Wilde with his mother, Speranza, on one side, and Lord Alfred Douglas Bosey on the other side. And we have a, a side altar <clears throat> where, with, with a painting that is about AIDS, but it's a sort of rebranding of AIDS. Instead of acquired immune deficiency syndrome, the artist made this painting in the 80s, and the advent infinite divine spirit to sort of re retell that story and they've created this beautiful book where anyone can come and write the name of a loved one they lost to AIDS so there's all of these different elements and then there are these portraits in the front these tiny portraits of LGBTQ martyrs who like Wilde were basically killed for who they were and it was important to us that this not only brings us into the present because obviously this issue of of violence towards the LGBTQ community is still, even though we're in the 21st century and there's marriage equality in, in, in England and in Ireland and in the United States, those things are very fragile. So we felt, especially, I mean, I, I'm, I'm American, so I'm very nervous about what's going to happen in the Senate today. And if this yeah. uh, confirmation happens, all of these hard-won things, such as marriage equality, could completely fall apart. Yeah, we're speaking on, um, yeah, right in the middle of the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing. Yes. Um, which is, yeah, huge. I mean, it's not just an ideological thing. This is life and death. You know, this is life and death for women because of abortion. And Oscar Wilde, you know, I, I feel like sitting under his statue, we're, we're just but a few feet from this beautiful wooden rosewood statue of Oscar Wilde and he looks down on us and I feel he was a feminist avant la lettre I mean he was really uh, a man who when he edited the Victorian ladies journal um, he said that, well, let's not make this about sewing and and dresses I mean this should be about women's rights and empowering women and eventually he was fired from that job but he he really he he wasn't just a, an icon of um the gay community, I mean, I'm, I'm being anachronistic in saying that, but he, he really, Oscar Wilde belongs to all of us. So going back a bit, what, um, for anyone who doesn't know, for any reason, um, who is Oscar Wilde? What did he do? Well, Oscar Wilde was an Irish, and I'm being maybe a little incorrect, Anglo-Irish, but an Irish um, writer, and on his plaque on Tite Street in London, it says wit and dramatist, but obviously that grossly underestimates who he was. Yeah. But he was um, at the height of his fame. He had two plays in the West End. He was a playwright. He was a novelist. He was an essayist. He was, um, you know, I wouldn't say he was a dandy, but he was a gentleman about town, a real celebrity, yeah. to use our parlance. I feel like it's sacrilegious to use these terms in this time machine but you know he was a celebrity and um he he was this brilliant man who came from brilliant parents who were also 
anarchists in the way that they thought because his mother was a literary woman and he and she was the one who taught Oscar to stand up for who he was when he was on trial he could have fled because yeah. I, as I'm, I know I'm sort of getting ahead of myself but basically um, his downfall was caused by uh, Bozy his his partner's uh, father who accused him of being a homosexual I'm, I'm telling the story in a really collapsed way excuse me sure yeah and no, i will you can kind of you can wikipedia <laughs> this right but basically when he was on trial to defend himself he never denied he yeah. he was very witty about it and his mother told him and i think that this is why the artist for example felt it was important to include um a tri- her in the triptych that if you are my son you must stay here and defend yourself if you flee to France because Napoleon had changed the laws or had you know stopped persecuting um, gay people uh, for being gay, you, she urged him to stay, and they imprisoned him, and he became a martyr. I mean, he didn't die in jail. He yeah. he was released, but basically it broke him as a human. It just completely his life fell apart, and he died in Paris. Yeah, and he was destitute towards the end. Oh, he was he destitute, was... absolutely. And so was Bozy at the end of his life. You know, they both had such a tragic fall. And um, the story, you know, he's become, and, and I'm sure that a lot of um, literary scholars and, and other intellectuals might object to how, um, in a press release, you simplify him into this LGBTQ martyr. We know that he's more complicated than that, but... Oscar Wilde does belong to everyone, and that's why we wanted to create this beautiful space and, and have it open to the public. And you don't have to be a member of the LGBTQ community to use this space, and we wanted it to be used for any number of things. And that was, you know, it's, of course it's a beautiful aesthetic experience to come here, but even in New York, when we did it in a much smaller scale and a much more humble scale in terms of the realization and of the decor and all of that, people really felt like they were members of the community where in the church that would come in and they would, you know, they fed, I think, like 10,000 homeless a week in this church where wow. we were. And um, any money that we raised with events that we conducted at the temple, we gave to the LGBTQ center specifically for homeless youth because, you know, as the artists say, the, the sons and daughters of Oscar Wilde are those most fragile in the community. And so here in London, um, Studio Voltaire partnered with the Albert Kennedy Trust, which is a charity that tries to prevent LGBTQ homelessness. And, um, you know, we've raised a, a bit of money so far, and any, anything will go to them. And we just felt that, like, the, the project had to, to function not just as an art exhibition you know yeah. the, that 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 aspect and then also in terms of the education I mean they've got a whole slew of events that they're going to organize here you know from the very scholarly to trans uh, renaming ceremonies yeah. and I think you know it's it's very beautiful there's a sign at the entrance that says no homophobia no racism no anti-semitism only love here and that's what this is about yeah, I love that as well because it kind of feels like, uh, certainly for the LGBT community, you might feel excluded from sort of spaces like 
like this, it, you know, if it was a church or a kind of religious temple because of, you know, the whole history there. And so it's really nice to have this space that's like actively welcoming the community yes. in. Well, yes, and, and McDermott and McGuff as artists, um, they even going back to the 80s, they would make, they, they queered Christian religion. I mean, one of them was raised um, secular humanist. The other was an Irish Catholic. I was raised an Irish Catholic. And, you know, it's such a repressive, repressive, repressive thing. And um, they would make these paintings in the 80s, and they would say, this is Jesus and his 12 boyfriends. And then they made this amazing painting, and it's it's sort of a little campy picture of Jesus, and it says, Jesus Christ, please protect us from your followers. Because, you know, really, if you, they studied religions for, you know, all of the religions, and they said, you know, the one common denominator of all these religions is their reviling and repression of homosexuality, their persecution. And it's not necessarily in the theology of those religions. It's more the practice. So this whole idea was really about taking that aspect out of religion. And they they say, you know, we are starting a religion to Oscar Wilde, which is a great American thing. I mean, we love to invent religions. I mean, we have Scientology. (laughs) We have Mormonism. Why not Oscar Wildeism? Yeah, why not? Um, do you think it's fair to say as well that Oscar Wilde, kind of his his life and biography and what he stands for, has kind of eclipsed his actual literary work? Oh, certainly. Well, we live in a society. You know, when Trump got elected, um, there were all all these punning about "Make America Great Again," and there's this bookstore in New York that says "Make America Read Again" because no one reads anymore. So of yeah. course, you know, Oscar Wilde. I mean, yes, as a pop star, I mean, there's movies about him now, right? And there's plays, and um, and but if you do go back to the text, um, it's it's profound how how relevant and how how diverse actually all of the different things that he touched upon, even just politically speaking, in his writing to our day. Um, So another thing about uh, Oscar Wilde is that he believed in aestheticism, right? Which is like art for art's sake. um, And the idea that art should serve no purpose other than its own enjoyment. So I just wondered, how does this this space kind of reflect that? Well, certainly it is... You know, people just love sitting here because it's so beautiful with these chandeliers and this reproduction wallpaper from the aesthetic movement with sunflowers and all of this. But just like in a medieval painting, all this iconography has deeper meaning, symbolic meaning. And while that quote gets pulled out a lot as a way of even discrediting Wilde, um, when we had this talk earlier with the artist, David McDermott was reminding everyone that the reason why Oscar Wilde preached the aesthetic movement was really, it was about class warfare. Yeah. You know, and it was about telling the working class that you too can live in beauty. We can go and collect seashells and you can make beautiful things for your home. And then as David would say, the futurists came and they destroyed it. They said, paint, take down the wallpaper, paint your houses white, throw away all that old junk and here's some plastic. You know, and that's, we live in that world now. We live in these glass boxes and these white walls. And certainly in the art world, we live in in a world of the white cube. And this show is really about, um, it's it's a repudiation of that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think another thing that's really interesting here is the idea of kind of making sense of suffering using art, because that's something that Wilde did with um, when he came out of Reading Prison, where he was for two years. Um, he wrote De Profundis, right? Yes. Which is like a huge kind of text about life and meaning and his time in prison. Um, and you've kind of done that here as well, right? Like having, um, like having artwork about the LGBT community who've suffered. And, um, We're turning the word queer. I mean, this painting that is from the 80s, but it's dated 1885 on the front. I mean, it was about the artists themselves growing up in America in the 50s and 60s and being called queers and being called and taking the sting out of that pain and turning it into a thing of great beauty. So, I mean, that's a strategy that has become, you know, a great part of like ACT UP and we're here, we're queer, get used to it. You know, now it's a chant. But here we try to also restore the beauty to that same gesture and again, like going back to the church and to the the kind of um, structural concept that was borrowed from Catholicism. I mean, if you look at those erotic paintings of Jesus from the Renaissance, you know, those were about um, shifts in, in, in theology and about, but it was also about sexuality. I mean, there were coded messages in all of the, in those, those portraits of, of Christ over the years. And, and, and the church too has this idea in, I mean, it sounds really pretentious, but um, the andox builder, which was a, a term that the Germans, uh, that comes from German, were painting that were meant to make you cry. You know, devotional paintings, small paintings where you would see the suffering of Christ or you would see Mary crying. And you were meant to sit in reflection in front of this painting in your, you know, of course, if you were very rich and you could have such a painting in your home in the Middle Ages. But that idea that a painting could draw that emotion, make you feel that, and that somehow was serving either a spiritual or an intellectual purpose or just a humanist purpose. And I think that the artists want that. I mean, people in New York wept in the, in the chapel. It was really very, very moving. 
Yeah, and and so initially, yeah, you said the um, exhibition. What do you call it? An exhibition or a show or an it's installation? a temple. No, the temple. The temple. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the museum, uh, the studio of Voltaire took down all their signage. I don't know if you notice on the front of the building, and they have Oscar Wilde Temple outside. You can't, actually, they have a problem with deliveries because they can't, <laughs> people can't find Studio Voltaire, and they're kind of wandering around this small street in Clapham going, what's that? And that was the idea, you know, that it really is a temple. So the temple initially, it was, it was in New York, right? Yes. And who, how did the idea kind of come about well um it's a bit of a long story but um i had admired mcdermott mcguff since i was about 20 years old and i was starting out in new york working in the art world and as a young student and i had heard about them because i was like who are these guys wearing these victorian clothes living in new york without electricity and i was fascinated with them and then um years later i met you know quite recently i let's say five years ago, I met Peter McGuff. And I was like, I'm such a fan of your work. And he was like, who's this crazy woman, like, stalking me? And long story short, they were invited to make an exhibition in Ireland and um, at a, in a small art space, um, a non-for-profit space in rural Ireland, outside, not near Dublin. And um, when we announced the project in the press a year before, the local people protested. They were very upset that how dare we you know and it was the gay content but also I think it was too sacrilegious for them so when we got rejected and I was so upset um, I said I'm not you know excuse my French but fuck those people you know we are and especially it was very personal for me because I had grown up going to Ireland you know a classic Irish American going to Ireland every year and um, I called my friend Dorothy Berwin who um was involved with the LGBTQ Center and, you know, had been to many events there and was part of the community. And I said, you know, we have to do this in New York. And um, it was really just a grassroots thing. We, like, made it happen. And we raised all the money. I mean, there was no museum behind it. It was just, like, literally me and Dorothy sending people emails saying, could you give a bit of money? We want to do this oh, thing. Wow. And and it, and it kind of really took off when Trump got elected because it was like it became this urgent thing, like, we have to do this. We must do this. And, you know, Joe Scotland uh, knew about McDermott McGuff with fans, and when he heard we were doing it in New York, he said, let's bring it to London. And we had no idea that they were going to be able to, you know, take this to such a next level. So it's a really yeah. beautiful story because from rejection, I mean, much like Wild, you know, from rejection came such great beauty. And how does the space reflect the LGBT community and all of the history there? Well, I mean, it, it goes back to in the front. I mean, it's hard to describe when you're not here, but next to the altar on either side, you have these black and white paintings which are uh, based on engravings of torture of homosexuals going back to the Middle Ages. So this idea of, you know, that not only was did you have to keep the secret or the open secret of being gay, but this, this suffering has been part of the community continuously. So to be brave and to be, let's say, out, again, to use our 21st century parlance in this 19th century room, is always been part of the LGBTQ community. And I think that what 
the artist wanted to do was also to tell the story. So, for example, all these small portraits in the front of, of people with their names and their birth and death dates, all who were murdered for being lesbian, trans, gay, from all over the world, but also there's one who is a bartender but a few blocks from here who was murdered. And Studio Voltaire has provided in the little pamphlets that are like in the church pews, short biographies of each person. So hopefully, even if someone comes off the street and doesn't know anything about Oscar Wilde, doesn't care about aesthetic movement, maybe they'll pick up and read that and they'll identify with or, or be touched by those stories. So we really wanted to, um, you know, try to bring the present through all of those real-life um, events into the experience of the temple. Yeah. You mentioned that um, there's, like, trans sort of renaming ceremonies that happen here and, and that obviously people from, a, from any kind of community can come in and, and use the space and, and enjoy it. How is this space meant to be used by the kind of LGBT community? Well, it's a space that um, it's, it can be used in any number of ways. I mean, it can be used as a place of reflection, a personal space. You can get married here. You can have um, a, a naming ceremony of a child. You can renew your vows. I mean, even David McDermott said it'd be a wonderful place for a funeral. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's, and there will be talks. You know, I hope that if there's a protest, like for example, in New York, we use the temple to plan protests against Trump because one of the biggest organizations of, that actually came out of ACT UP um, it's called Rise and Resist. They have their meetings at the church where we did the temple. So I think that, you know, it's a place that hopefully will, it, it will take on its own life. You know, we did a Wicca ceremony here. I brought all these candles from New York that I had my witch make before I came. And Amazing. We, Caroline will love that, my co-host. <laughs> okay. So we have Oscar Wilde incense that they make. at. Um, it's called Enchantments in the East Village in New York. And Peter and I um, both have a witch there that we go to, Peter McGuff, and one of the artists. We had a seance in New York um, to bring wild spirit to us. Amazing. So, you know, we, we really want it to be, it's not about, um, you know, it's definitely not Anglo, you know, the Anglican church. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty clear. Um, should, we, should we go for a wonder around the exhibition? That would be lovely. So one of the most amazing things here is the stained glass windows. Yes. They're incredible. Well, um, as David McDermott would say, you know, they're, they're reproductions, but they've, they've done such a lovely job because they also, not only did they get the aesthetics right with the sunflowers and stay faithful to the aesthetic movement of the whole room, but they even put sort of filters so it looks like leaded glass. And yeah. none of this was here before. I mean, they had the window, even the top, the, the sort of decorative molding w- were put in. Oh, wow. I wouldn't have ever known that. Including the arch here. All of the stuff was like, and the, the molding, everything has uh, been put in for the show. Before yeah. it was just a white cube with concrete floors, which is really hard. I mean, we should almost have like a before and after picture yeah. on the website. <laughs> so we're going to walk down the aisle now. You can hear that wooden floor, which all was put in as well, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It took five weeks to build this. 
Normally to install a show, a contemporary art show, it's like three days, five days, you know, so it's quite a big deal to spend five weeks closing it down and building it up. Yeah. What's your favorite part of this space? Oh, God, that's such a hard question. Um, Well, as a, you know, lapsed Catholic, I do really love the stations to Reading Jail because I think... I hope that your listeners will maybe look them up, but they're painted in a a blue and gold palette, which comes from Italian Renaissance-era painting, and with gold leaf, you know, really using the old technique. I mean, someone said, are these silk-screened? I mean, they're all painted by hand. Yeah, they're beautiful. And I love the fact that they have these little um, captions below, you know, Station 1, Arrest of Oscar Wilde, and all of the imagery actually comes from newspapers at the time. Oh, wow. Drawings that were made. Um, because, of course, there wasn't photographs in the newspaper reporting on this trial, but it was a huge you know, sensation. And then, apparently, I didn't even know this, but the subway station just here at Clapham Common, the police brought Oscar Wilde there in handcuffs so that the public could come and spit at him. And apparently during the course of the show, there's going to be a reading there, you know. So, again, like even just being in London where, you know, obviously all these horrible things happened to him, but to reclaim that space and to remind us to do this job. I mean, I'm an art historian, so I'm a nerd. And (laughs) I love all of those coincidences of geography, but I think that for me this is the most important part of the of the chapel beyond the the total experience because it does like if you know 300 years from now when or maybe just 50 years from now when the earth <laughs> the great apocalypse <laughs> comes and you know we we drown in the seas and you know not to be very dark but you know if someone is able to save these some future historian who might not have access to the text they'll know who is this man yeah. You know, just like a Sumerian, you know, tablet or Egyptian um, archaeology. You know, we've pieced together a culture through images. And, you know, we've reconstructed the mythology of the Egyptians, for example. And I feel like this type of work really tell it just tells us that there was this great person and something really terrible. And it tells the story in in pictures and I think also you know art was so much about pre-literate society and about you know the lower classes like teaching the lower classes and I think today we have Instagram we have our phones we're always looking at images but we don't always know how to read a painting and this you know it just is so legible and and so palatable through its beauty I love that (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting to us today. Yes, it was such a pleasure. Thank you. Um, so just for anyone who does want to come along and visit, um, it's at Studio Voltaire in Clapham, near Clapham Common Station, isn't it? Yes. Um, the exhibition is up for the next six months, and I believe that Studio Voltaire will be updating different events, so you should just check back with them. They have a great website. We have an Instagram account about Oscar Wilde Temple, but there's also Studio Voltaire's Instagram account. I have one. So we're all, you know putting things that will be of interest to different people on, on our various computers. Brilliant. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode and thanks to Studio Voltaire and the Oscar Wilde Temple for inviting me along. If you fancy seeing it, it's open until the 31st of March 2019 at Studio Voltaire in Clapham. 
We'll also put some photos up on social media at DumbWomenPod if you fancy a look. And we'll see you next week for a normal episode. Bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business. Removing friction and frustration for your employees. Supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.